Honey, I'm home. <laughs> Welcome. It's Eric Erickson here. It's nine after the hour. You are listening to WSB, the phone number 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. I changed my braces today and I don't like these. Okay, this Invisalign stuff is for the birds. Now, can we start with the supposed presidential meltdown? John Kelly has come out today surprising people at the White House press conference, uh, the, the, the daily press briefing, and said, no, he's not quitting, no, he's not frustrated, and no, he's not being fired. And he would really appreciate it if reporters would stop making stuff up about what's going on in this White House. Now, what is this in regard to? Well, there have been a number of stories that he was getting frustrated and ready to quit. And there was the Gabe Sherman story in, I think, Vanity Fair of the Los Angeles Times that people were going to try to tackle the president. And if he tried to launch a nuke strike and the president's running around the White House yelling at people, saying he hates them all, on and on and on and on and goes. Y'all, I'm sorry, but this story is just too convenient. It reads like fan fiction for the resistance. And if a story reads like fan fiction for the resistance, it probably isn't true. Sure, there are probably elements of truth there. I think Kelly hinted at them in his statement that he said, yes, there are frustrations uh, running the United States of America, or at least working for the man who is running the United States of America, does get frustrating at times. There, It's a big job. But this, this ongoing story that the president is yelling at the portraits of other presidents in the White House, he's uh, telling his former security guy that he hates everybody he works with, and on and on and on and on, and I, I don't know that we can believe that. Now, what I do think that we can believe and where the kernel of truth is, is the president is more on Twitter in the last few days. And that's not a good sign. And the reason is, well, take, for example, the Puerto Rico tweets. The president saying that FEMA can't be there forever and, and people are going to have to help themselves. Now, listen. Should he have worded the tweet differently? Yeah, probably so. But let's not play naive or ignorant about what's happening in Puerto Rico. In Puerto Rico, according to military officials and FEMA officials, you have local Puerto Rico elected officials who will not show up at meetings because other elected officials are there and they refuse to be in the same room with them. They are having trouble coordinating, getting relief to inner island areas that have been inaccessible because the local officials won't help them. Or they're giving supplies and aid to Puerto Rican agencies so that the Puerto Rican agencies can rebuild the roads and the roads aren't getting rebuilt. And when the rain comes, the, the dirt roads are getting washed away. Let's not pretend this stuff isn't happening while everybody attacks the president for his tweet. There is a lot of corruption and incompetence down there. Let's not pretend otherwise. Let's not scream racism to, to hide the fact that there is this sort of stuff going on. 
Should the president have tweeted differently? Yes, but let's not use that as an excuse to ignore the on-the-ground situation there. Y'all, I just think that a lot of these stories are pushed by people who are nursing grudges. And many times, I'll tell you how these stories develop, is someone reports to these reporters, these gossip journalists, I use the term loosely, because their friend who works for the White House told them this, and they should call the reporters and tell them. And the reporters, well, I got a source, and the source is telling me this stuff. Let's run with it. I mean, put it to you this way. But it, there's a great contrast here. NBC refused to run a story about Harvey Weinstein. Ronan Vero hired the cameraman himself. NBC told him there were no resources available. Roland Farrow got, he hired video people. He went out, he interviewed the women. He got them on film. Women willing to put their names and faces and voices out there. And NBC still wouldn't run the story because they said it wasn't enough. Meanwhile, if... Sister Susie's brothers, barbers, butchers, bakers, milkmans, wives, uh, lesbian lovers says something about the president. Well, then uh, we, we've got this source through multiple people. We can run this story about the president. I mean, all it takes is a third hand source to say something about the president and the media will run it. Meanwhile, you've got the victims willing to go on television to talk about what happened to them with Harvey Weinstein. And nope, it's not sourced enough. The double standard in the press over this. I just wouldn't put a lot of stock in these stories because... These stories, it's not that they ring true to me, although that's the point, though. They ring true to people on the left. They ring true to the resistance. These stories tell the resistance what they want to hear, that the president is spiraling out of control. Surely someone is going to invoke the, what is it, 26th Amendment or 25th Amendment, and, and they're going to they're going to put him out to pasture. Or he's going to quit in frustration. It's only a matter of time. Just just hold on. Hold on. Mike Pence is on the way. Help is on the way. Paul Ryan is on the way. I mean, this is fan fiction for the resistance. That's all it is. And I don't think you should take more of it than that. And the fact that the media, I, I was watching CNN earlier today, and it was basically an hour of CNN talking about the president's tweets and talking about the, the stories about a White House out of control. You didn't hear any of the other news. I mean, the entire world revolved around what's happening in the Oval Office and the rumors of what's happening at the Oval Office and the tweets of the president. Nothing else was happening out there. And it is because the resistance has embedded within the media. La resistance. 
All of these people consider themselves activists out to get the president. And that's the only news that matters. You're either with him or you're against him. Uh, the media has no time in the day for any reporter who's willing to call a ball a ball and a strike a strike. That this is good and this is bad. Nope. I mean, look at the hell Jake Tapper gets now from his colleagues. Tapper is one of the few people in the media who's willing to do that. He's willing to say, yes, good, uh, no, bad. And he gets ridiculed by others in the media for not willing to be hostile to the president at all times. There's just no room left. Which, you know, my buddy Ben Dominic has a piece, and I want to get into this later. He he thinks that uh, the left, we've, we've reached an inflection point with the left in the culture war, where they're about to start giving up ground, and we're seeing this with the NFL and stuff, and it's all related to this. And the media pumping out fan fiction for the left over what's happening with the White House instead of telling people the truth. We'll get to that in your phone calls here in a bit. It's 25 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Let's go to the phones. 404-872-0750-1800. WSB Talk. Jackie and Conyers, welcome to the program. Hey, Eric. Um, I had just a simple question. Uh, if the tax cuts are so bad that it's going to hurt everybody, how come the Democrats don't support them and let them go ahead and uh, let the Republicans uh, cut our throats and then they can raise the taxes back later to save us all? Yeah, when, once they've taken back control of Congress after those those awful Republicans cut taxes, that is a very fine point you make uh, because they know it'll stimulate the economy. Listen, Democrats privately behind the scenes are telling themselves we're in for an economic downturn. And they think that an economic downturn will help them get back control of Congress. So if they pass the tax cuts, it may stimulate economic activity. And then there's not going to be the economic downturn. And so they can't do that. There you have it. I mean, if Apple were to repatriate all the billions and billions of dollars it's stored up in bank accounts in Europe, uh, that could spark a robust economy. And we can't have that. No, no, we can't have that. You know what you can't have with me a week from tonight? A beer at Monday Night Brewing. You can come hang out with me, grab a beer. Uh, get a book signed. We're going to Monday Night Brewing's new garage location, uh, which is a cool, cool facility uh, that they have just built. And I have seen it. They they showed scale models with dinosaurs to show how big it is. If you want to come hang out next week, you can buy a book on site, or if you order from Amazon, Barnes & Noble, or elsewhere, uh, you can... Um, Bring your copy of Before You Wake, or you can buy on site if you want. And if you want to come, go on an RSVP. Do yourself a favor and do that uh, so that I can get you directions because it's a, it's a new facility and the directions are the actual directions versus where you go are different. So I've got them all there uh, in the Eventbrite page. If you want to RSVP, text the word beer because that's what you're going to come have with me while I sign your book uh, to 345 uh, Three four five. Text the word beer to three four five three four five. There will be non-adult beverages there as well, I'm sure. So those of you who don't want to partake because it's the night after you've gone to to Wednesday meeting at church, then you're more than welcome to come as well. All people are welcome to come. Uh, the phone. The the number again is well. The word is beer, and the number to text it to three four five three four five. When we come back. We need to talk about a subject that I hoped we wouldn't have to talk about anymore, Barack Obama, because 
Well, the President of the United States is about to get some blame for things that really Barack Obama deserves the blame for, and I want to prepare you for the coming wave of negative stories. It is 40 minutes after the hour. I am Eric Erickson, and I had hoped that we could be done with talking about the Obama era, but we can't. Because there's a story out today that raises some concerns, and there is going to be a coming wave of stories attacking President Trump for these things. And they should be attacking President Obama. We are now, we're not even yet, Put think about it this way. We are not technically yet, we're a few days away, from being nine months into the Trump administration. Nine months of this. That's all we've had. we got another three years of this. Bo Bergdahl, remember him? He's the, the guy who fraternized with the enemy. Uh, President Obama said he served with honor and distinction. Uh, he's going to plead guilty to... Um, basically misbehaving with the enemy after we traded Taliban to get him back. The you've got have you heard about Lieutenant Second Lieutenant Rapone? Rapone is a West Point grad. He they allowed him to graduate, and at graduation day he was pictured opening his shirt to reveal his undershirt was of Che Guevara. He is a known communist who routinely got online to denounce the United States and declare that communism would eventually triumph over the United States. He was repeatedly reported to his superiors at West Point, and yet not only was he not disciplined, he was allowed to graduate. I read somewhere today he was removed from a ranger program, and he had served in Afghanistan. His father has taken to social media to apologize for his son's behavior and say he was deeply affected in Afghanistan. He came back and just wasn't right in the head, basically. He is um, he's a, a left-wing rabble-rouser who wants communism imposed on the United States and thinks Che Guevara was a great guy, and he's been allowed to graduate from West Point. Uh, we've had the ships in uh, the Pacific that have collided, the USS John McCain and others. And now today there's a report that the USS Shiloh has been described by its sailors on board as being nothing more than a prison ship. One sailor reporting in an anonymous survey that the Navy used to gauge the uh, competence of the commander of the ship. Uh, One sailor said he hoped we never did have an altercation with North Korea because that ship would probably get us all killed. Because the sailors weren't doing their job. They didn't want to do their job. Only 37% of the sailors said they had any incentive to do their job correctly on the ship. The uh, admiral in charge of that fleet has been reassigned. The commander of the ship now being reassigned. Uh, And it goes on and on and on. There are more stories. Uh, You've got all the social engineering going on in the military. There's a report today now that the Army has decided in order to meet its quota of recruitment, it's going to waive Uh, drug offenses related to marijuana and continue to lower its standards. 
You have, in fact, in regard to Rapone, a, a former professor who just retired from West Point released a scathing letter about the supervision at West Point, and the the supervisor of what the superintendent of West Point has come out and basically deflected it and said, "Pay no attention to how we're educating our soldiers. Look at what they do in the field." Complete deflection, y'all. We're not nine months into the Trump administration. It's not, he hasn't been there enough time to screw it up this badly. But we've had eight years of Barack Obama to socially re-engineer the military to be a UN peacekeeping force instead of the, the biggest, baddest force of soldiers around. Morale has been weakened. Discipline has been let loose. Standards have been lowered. The military has been used by the left as a place to socially engineer and experiment in gay rights and transgenderism instead of a place to go where you kill bad guys and keep us safe. And this is a Barack Obama issue. This is not a Donald Trump issue. This is eight years in the making of Barack Obama disrespecting the military and deciding to put a bunch of liberals in charge of the military who hated the American military. They have degraded our services. They have degraded our hardware. They have degraded our ships and planes. They scrapped the Raptor in favor of of this garbage plane that is never going to fly. They've done all of these things. They have retrieved traitors from the enemy and said that they serve with honor and distinction. Those traitors now pleading guilty to fraternizing with the enemy. On and on it's gone, people. And the left would have us believe, with all of these stories now coming about the Shiloh, about the, the Seventh Fleet, and the like, that it's all Donald Trump's fault. And in fact, that is nothing but a lie. Because even if Donald Trump wanted to screw it up, he couldn't screw up as badly as eight years of Obama has left our American military at a time when we need to be on our A-game because of all the threats we face. Y'all, we actually had somebody suggest that the reason there's a shortage in the military is because all of you with concealed carry permits and and assault rifles, whatever that is, uh, won't join. Seriously. Some people. (laughs) Oh, the phone number 404-872-0750-1800-WSB-TALK. A week from tonight, I'm going to the Monday Night Brewing Garage location. It's their new taproom location. Um, Great, uh, just really awesome facility. They've done a great job uh, getting this thing ready for a public debut, and I am delighted to be doing a live broadcast from there a week from tonight. And a book signing, uh, you can come by and grab a beer from the Monday night selection and uh, get your book signed. If you want to come, uh, go. you don't have to, but I highly encourage it, just so you can get all the information, the directions and whatnot. Uh, RSVP by texting the word BEER uh, to 345-345. And, and yes, I have gotten a couple of complaints from Baptist listeners. I really have. Uh, who, who don't like that the text word, the keyword to text is beer, but it's a brewery. It's Monday night brewing and you're coming to have a beer. And if you don't have to have a beer, but still, I figured it was an appropriate keyword and it was available. So I snagged it. So text beer to three, four, five, three, four, five. And you too can get a link to the Eventbrite page where you can RSVP. You'll get reminders and whatnot and directions. So uh, I hope to see you there and you can get a book and as well. 
I have I want to first of all thank you guys for a ton of great feedback for the podcast episode I did on on raising your children to be dragon slayers. And if you didn't hear about this last night, after a, a bunch of requests, I, I've had the sermon coming on for a while and just didn't have time for it in the show. But wanted to do it on on raise your kid to be a dragon slayer, not a not a dragon enabler in the age of Harvey Weinstein. How do you get your kids to do what's right, even when it's not popular, even when there may be consequences? Uh, what do you need to think about in these times, and and what do you do compared to what other people do? And and frankly, even get into what does uh, Scripture mean when Christ says, "Judge not, lest you be judged." What exactly is he talking about there? I get into all that in the podcast. If you want it, text the word SHOW, S-H-O-W, to 444-999, the word SHOW to 444-999, and you can, you'll can you get a link to the Google Play and the iTunes podcast. You can always go to theresurgent.com as well. You'll also sign up for the email by doing that. Uh, when we come back, I want to talk about these cultural issues. Um, I think that the the cultural cold war that we have in this country the culture class, the culture war, I think it's headed towards being hot. Uh, did you hear about the would-be airport bomber? Yeah, I bet you didn't. I'll tell you about him when we come back. Sorry, I was in Excel spreadsheet hell for a minute. Welcome back. It's Eric Erickson. I got a bunch of people on the telephones right now who want to talk about military readiness, and you're just going to have to be patient with me. I'm sorry. Um, because I, I've, I've got a series of stuff that I've got to get through, and this is the one segment on the show where I actually have a runway where I can get through this stuff, and I need to get through this stuff. There was an attempted bombing uh, last week the Asheville Airport in Asheville, North Carolina. In the middle of the night, a man came into the airport depositing explosives, hoping to blow up part of the airport. And I suspect you have not heard a lot about this story. Now, if you read liberal websites, which I do to save you the trouble, they say the reason you have not heard about this uh, this attempted explosion at the Asheville Regional Airport is because it was a white guy. And since it was a white guy, the media won't uh, play this up. Um, I disagree with that vehemently. And I think given um, a number of situations the media has covered, uh, I think they, we can show that that's not the case. The reason I think that this was not covered is because it was ineffective. It was a one-off isolated incident, and he was not connected to anything larger. And it also came at the time of a bunch of other news where news networks have to prioritize. Uh, I am finding out about it now, and I am talking about it now. And the reason I'm talking about it is because of what this guy wanted to do. I, I Dylan Roof was the shooter in Charleston. South Carolina. He went into the church in the middle of a Bible study and began gunning down the congregation. And he did so because he wanted to incite a race war in this country. And he was unsuccessful. This individual, and I, I don't care about his name, 
but he wanted to set off explosives in the Asheville airport uh, to start a war in this country, a race war, a war between liberals and conservatives. He wanted to start a war between Americans. He was not connected to jihad. He was not connected to ISIS. He was not trying to start a war on behalf of a foreign power. He was a, he wanted to start a war. And this is happening, though not frequently, thank God, it's happening in this country. And there is data out from Pew Research Center, which should horrify and terrify all of us. Because what the data does suggest is that we are rapidly reaching a point in this country where while we are in a a culture war that is a Cold War culture war, it's heating up. And it's not going to end well for any of us the way it's heating up. Y'all remember, you can come have a beer with me at Monday Night Brewing a week from tonight and get a book signed by texting the word beer to 345345. Okay, on the Pew survey, uh, we are, since Pew has been doing the survey now for about 35, 40 years, we as a nation are more divided along ideologically partisan lines than at any time in the past. Conservative versus liberal. Uh, There is very little middle ground anymore, according to this study. But here's the troubling part of the study. A majority of liberals in the country would have a hard time living next to a conservative. The, according to the Pew Research Center, more than 60% of self-identified progressives in this country would be angry at the thought of living next to a conservative. Now, the hope is that less than 50% of conservatives would be angry at the thought of living next to a liberal. That number actually goes up in the South. But what's happening in the country, and, and this is very important, and I do mean to pick a side on this intentionally, and I'm backed up by the data, is that there is a large segment of the liberal population in this country, whether it's through academic indoctrination or what have you, reading Howard's in, rotting the brain, there is a large segment of the left in this country that has decided the American experiment is illegitimate and we need a reboot in the left's direction. They do not like checks and balances. They don't like the Electoral College. I mean, you got the President of the United States out there yelling about the First Amendment in tweets, uh, but you've got an overwhelming number of the left today that want to amend the First Amendment to not protect hate speech, to not protect corporations, to, to not protect a host of things they don't like where they get to be the ones to decide it. They want to get rid of the Second Amendment. Some of them, there was an op-ed in the New York Times the other day, wanted to get rid of the Fifth Amendment from the left. Conservatives have faults here and in fact need to do a better job of extending grace to the other side, even though the other side won't extend grace to them. Conservatives are the side, typically, of people of faith. They they need to be graceful. But the intolerance on the left now for other opinions, I mean, look at the Associated Press. The Associated Press yesterday released uh, their updated style guidelines. The Associated Press has declared the, the transgenderism war over. 
even though there's a growing body of scientific evidence that actually is a mental condition, the, the AP has decided that they will start using the word they as a singular pronoun. For people who, who they is, instead of he or she is, they is will be acceptable, as will Z, Z-E. Instead of he or she, there will be Z. Z is as a personal pronoun for someone who is neither male nor female. Think about that for a minute. How is that even possible? But they've also decided that they will abandon uh, the phrase gender transitioning um, to gender conforming, as in Bruce Jenner never was Bruce. He was always Caitlin and just conformed to what he always was over time. They're picking a position there. In California, the state is decriminalizing, uh, knowingly transmitting HIV to another person or to the blood supply. You've got what's going on on college campuses around this country. The world has lost its mind. And meanwhile, you've got the left in this country shutting down businesses through court order if they won't do what the left wants them to do. Whether it's bake a cake or provide photography for a same-sex wedding. And you're a bigot if you think they, they should be allowed to stay in business. You know, it, it was Gertrude Himmelfarb who said that um, that it, it essentially we are defining deviance as normal and normal as deviance. The single or the two parent nuclear household will be anathema to the left. You've got Archbishop Chaput who said that evil preaches tolerance until it's dominant, then it seeks to silence good. And we're seeing that with a growing intolerance on the left. Now, the only saving grace at this point is that there is not a movement of armament on the left. But you've got Taneshi Coates, who is not a great writer, but everybody on the left treats him as a great writer because it makes them feel good. Um, he, he wrote a, a not great book um, that everybody on the left bought and none of them actually read uh, about race relations in America and what he tells his kids. And the left fawns over him. You can tell that his editor is scared of being accused of racism by editing him because he he doesn't get edited and he just rambles on in his essays. He used to be much better before he got full of himself. Uh, and he's given several interviews now where he all but says we need a violent revolution in this country. He's not brave enough to come out and say it yet, uh, but he dances around the subject more and more that we need a French revolution in this country. And, and we need to throw off white supremacy in this country. And the means by which it would happen is not something we would be used to, but might be necessary. And it all comes back to a single point. They view the American experience and the American experiment as illegitimate. Now, I don't want to paint with a broad brush here and say that it's everyone on the left. But when you have more than 60 percent of liberals in this country saying that they could not tolerate living next to someone who views the world differently than them, that's a red flag that something wicked this way comes. And when you have the media taking their side, well, you can see how it was easy for Russia to play us off of one another with a bunch of fake news because people don't believe the real news because the news takes partisan sides. If we don't figure out a way to find some common ground in this country, eh, this cold war that we're in, this cold culture war, is going to become hot. And we will all be lesser because of it. If we won't even be breathing, it's just, it's not a pleasant thought to think about, but you can read the trend lines and something bad is coming. And it's coming because of all of us, left, right, center, everybody in this country being unable to find common ground. It helps if I push the radio 
microphone button. And I've got less than a minute here. Um, when we come back, we will take your phone calls. 404-872-0750. 1-800-WSB-TALK. Uh, interestingly enough, um, the U.S., the United States, and Israel today are withdrawing from UNESCO. Uh, which is the cultural wing of the United Nations. I've got a UNESCO cookbook from when I was a kid. It was a big thing growing up in Dubai. Um, they're withdrawing um, because of the anti-Israel positions of UNESCO, which is interesting in that uh, that's why Ronald Reagan withdrew from UNESCO back in the 1980s. Even Bill Clinton uh, kept us out of UNESCO. It was George W. Bush who brought us back into UNESCO as a show of goodwill to build the coalition uh, to go into Iraq and Afghanistan. Um, so we were out of it for a very long time. Uh, George W. Bush thought that we could reform it, um, and the Trump administration has decided that we can't. Nikki Haley, the U.N. ambassador, supports the decision to withdraw from UNESCO. Uh, Benjamin Netanyahu, the prime minister of Israel, has announced that they will be withdrawing uh, with us. So there you have it. When we come back, your phone calls, 404-872-0750, wsb Talk. And are we, is the president's support being undercounted in polls still? A surprising pollster says, yes, it's the case. And don't forget to text the word SHOW to 444-999 to get the podcast. It is 40 after the hour. As promised, your phone calls, 404-872-0750, 1-800-WSB-TALK. Ruth Mary in Lawrenceville, you are up next. Welcome. Good evening, Eric. I just wanted to say you were so spot on about President Obama being the um, the ruin of our military. He, he's degraded, he's downgraded, whatever. My husband and I both served. He was um, Marine Corps, and I was Navy, and we were both cryptologists. And hearing what's going on with the military and the lack of readiness and now the morale problem is really upsetting, and I do put that all on Obama. And, in, and the bad part is, with us being cryptologists, I hate to see what is happening now in the cryptology field of secured information because of the the problems with the different branches. And I I really feel that Korea and Russia, aware of all this, is taking this all to their advantage, and they know that we're not going to be able to do what we, what we want to do because we're not ready like we should be because of Obama. Well, you know, a buddy of mine texted me, uh, Ruth Mary, while you were talking, and said, "But remember, it was George W. Bush who put the army in berets." <laughs> you know, it is, it's been a, such a long-term problem, and this is why I, I don't think you can blame uh, President Trump. And you know, there are some people who say, "Well, it goes back further; it goes to Clinton and Bush." Okay, yeah. um, I just see these stories coming out now, starting to blame President Trump. And I, I, despite my reservations about the guy, I think it's deeply unfair to blame him for long-term problems. Yes, it is, and it's going to take a while to get to. It's just when I hear about Bird Dog and all that, it's just, and Mm -hmm. and he's being considered, what, a hero. Seriously? Hey, and Chelsea Manning, Bradley. uh, Yes, or that's just, no, those are not heroes. If that's become the military heroes, 
then that is a slap into the face of Audie Murphy and all of those who were heroes. I completely agree. Ruth Mary, thanks very much for your phone call. Next call goes to Scott. How are you? Scott, you there? Hello? Uh, no, and Scott had a very good point, too, a very good question. Uh, Scott, hey, Eric. Oh, there you are. Hey, Eric. Thanks for taking my call. I'm, I'm sorry about the mute button there. That's all right. Hey, I'm having difficulty with the notion of extending liberals grace and and i know that's what we need to do but how do we do that when their position requires you to have already moderated your serve your conservative position to even begin to talk to (laughs) it is about the hardest thing we are called to do is it not um you know i i would tell you this and i've been one of the fun classes i took in seminary was the history of the early church and I really think that, that whether you're, you're a believer or not, if you're conservative and you understand you do need to extend grace to the other side, that's where you got to look uh, to the people who were being thrown to the lions and uh, praying for the people who were tossing them to the lions. Um, he, he, or take, take Poly- Polycarp is a brilliant example of this, Scott. Thanks very much for the call. Polycarp, uh, early Christian martyr, who as the soldiers came to get him to go burn him at the stake, he cooked them a meal. Um, here, here's Scott. Here's my my lived-in example. Here, I was on a city council where a member of the council would routinely refer to me as Eric KKK Erickson. Yes, uh, hated my guts uh, largely because she wanted to make Barack Obama an honorary member of city council, and I filed so many amendments to the point that they were having to vote on whether or not to also make their spouses honorary members of council that they pulled the resolution lest they have to vote against their wives and husbands being on city council. And, oh, she did not like me, really didn't like me, Uh, still doesn't like me. And her house caught on fire. They had to stay in a uh, residence inn for a number of weeks, and my wife and I cooked them cooked them a meal, and just showed them that simple grace. It, it doesn't mean we need to not engage them or concede the argument, uh, and it's not something we can do on social media, really. Um, but it is. If you if there's an angry liberal who falls on hard times, um, make them a meal. Tell them you're praying for them. That may make them matter, but tell them anyway. And and don't just tell them, do it. Uh, show grace to the other side when they're not going to show grace to you. Um, don't hold over their head the bad things they've done when they hold over your head the bad thing you've done. Uh, and make sure they know you're not holding it over their head. And that's a great way to phrase it, too. When they hold over your head the bad thing you've done, you have no credibility because you've done X. Uh, you, you reply to them, well, you've done why, but I don't think that the one bad act defines you. And you can still disagree. Find, find ways to show grace. It is so hard, Scott. You are so right. And it is not in our habit or nature to do. But that's in our habit as human beings, uh, not as people who are believers. And we have to, we have to not look like the world. And the way we don't, the way we avoid looking like the world is we show grace when they don't, even if it's hard, and we know that they're not gonna, they're not gonna do it to us. They're still gonna treat us badly. We still got to, we still do, and you know, I honestly do believe, and call me a naive fool, 
But I honestly do believe there are a lot of people sitting on the fence and they're going to be persuaded by you showing them grace, the other side grace. And those people who can be persuaded are going to head in our direction uh, because why would they want to be with those who define you by your worst act and never show you forgiveness? I think in the long run, we win the argument by doing that. Guess what tonight is? Bourbon and Butts here at the station raising money for Children's Healthcare of Atlanta. Uh, everybody's going to get a signed autographed copy of my new book. In addition to being able to pilfer through part of my bourbon collection, it should be a good time. Uh, if you want to have a drink with me, you can grab a beer with me at Monday Night Brewing a week from tonight. Uh, their garage tap room, new location, fantastic facility. Text the word beer to 345-345 to um, RSVP. Y'all, I have had so many people throw in my face, judge not lest ye be judged in the last few days over issues, uh, culture war issues and whatnot. And I am amazed how poorly people, uh, pastors do at explaining this. And when you get into the secular world, how misunderstood uh, judge not lest ye be judged is. What it's even talking about. Uh, and it's not actually even talking about like uh, sin, calling out sin. It's it's judging works within the church, uh, that particular passage. Uh, In my podcast on this, I explain it pretty simply in context for you, what Jesus was talking about when he said, judge not lest you be judged. Uh, Text the word show to 444-999 and please educate yourself on this issue before you start throwing it around at people because you don't like the fact they say repent or this is a sin. 